Could have started with a little. <laughs> right. <laughs> the beer porn ASMR. Kind of close, just for sound. Blah blah blah. You want to say some words? Test test. Test test is pretty good beer. Nice. <laughs> so can you hear me? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Remember that's what I always would say when I would call you on the phone. Oh yeah. Get it? Yeah. That's my podcast callback. So welcome to the Calling Home podcast. So this was the podcast. I guess we've done these in person before, but it's been a long ass time. A long time. And we haven't done them in general at all. Cause uh, so the idea was when I'm traveling the earth you know, to, to call home, <laughs> just for a good excuse to call home. But basically, I've just been grounded because of COVID, of course, everybody is, the whole world's shut down. So, you know, I was kind of thinking like, oh, I guess we could do some podcasts while I'm here. I guess I'm lucky in a way that I'm just in my hometown and uh, there's not that much COVID around here, so it's not a bad place to be stuck. Uh, but then I had an idea for how we could do a podcast, but I'll get into that in a sec. I guess first, we might as well do the COVID update since we never did. I thought COVID would be over by now, <laughs> and it's not. Dreamer. I mean, I guess I don't know what there is to say about it. Just uh, we're in Fredericton, New Brunswick. It's fine here. You know, we really don't have any cases. Your law firm's been open the whole time. Have you felt any big COVID scares? No. However, when they talk about a second wave coming, I think we're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, I think the world is fucked. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but School's opening, university's opening, and we've been pretty lucky so far, but I, I think it's coming. And they were talking today about expanding the maritime bubble into other parts of Canada. That's just asking for trouble. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, uh, I feel a little bad because, like, my friend Matt, you know, he's got kids now and he wants to bring them back to New Brunswick to see the family and stuff. But you got to do the 14-day quarantining or whatever. So he was saying, like, ah, dude, that's ridiculous. Like, 14 days. And I was like, yeah, I guess it is. But I'm inside the safe zone. So uh, I kind of don't mind that people can't come in. <laughs> I don't think well, that's so bad. Well, especially when you're traveling with little babies, you got to be really cautious with them. I mean, old folks and babies, eh? they're, the, they're the first ones to be the most susceptible to this kind of stuff. Yeah. So... Yeah, nah, he should stay where he is. Stay put. And generally speaking, yeah, like we're still doing all the stuff, wearing the masks and the blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's kind of miraculous. We just have just, it's it's the, it's where being last place makes you first place. We're mm -hmm. just in this nowhere part of the world that nobody's passing through. I mean, I think our overall total cases, if I'm not mistaken, are still under 200. Probably. Yeah. Now, although you say nobody's passing through, this summer, I have found more people from Ontario buying properties here. It's unreal. Yeah. They haven't even seen the places. They're just buying them up. Yeah. And eventually, I guess they'll come here and find out what they bought. But right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, right, apocalypse is coming, man. Head to high high ground. Head to the fucking get out of or here. Or New Brunswick, next best place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really did think just, uh, I don't know, I just expected two or three months, and then I'll get back on my merry way and just go gallivant around the earth. But... I don't really see an end in sight. I don't know what's going on here. Well, but let's see if you even compare it to the, the other worst one that they had, the 1918 Spanish flu. It went on for a year and a half, I think it was. Yeah. Because it kind of died out, and then the troops came from back from overseas, started in the States, went over there, spread around Europe for a bit. Then everybody figured in the States it was not a big deal. And then those troops came back to North America and brought it with them. And it surfaced here. And then I remember, I, I think I told you this about, I hope this, this well, he would never be listening to it, this lawyer, when this stuff first started, told me that he uh, 
He met his clients, and this was wintertime, this was still March. He wouldn't go into their places, met them outside and signed in their car. No, not in their car. They signed at one end of the car outside, and he signed at the other end of the car outside. Then the stuff was put in a plastic bag and put in the trunk of his car and stayed in the trunk of his car in his garage for three days before he would take it out and look at it. And I thought, well, that seems a little a little intense, but, but maybe not. Maybe. Well, that's what's nuts is like inside the hallowed walls of New Brunswick, that's ridiculous. But everywhere else, that's reasonable. Like, people, when they get, like, groceries delivered, they have to, like, wipe down the bags. And, like, it's a nightmare out there. It is a fucking nightmare. So, like, for yeah, all the complaints I've had about this part of the world, you know, all the mosquitoes and the, uh, it's mostly the mosquitoes, <laughs> whatever, but the weather and whatever. Hot one day, freezing cold the next. Uh... Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's a, there's a reason nobody's fucking here. But man, times like this, it's real good. It's A+. coming in from Ontario. (laughs) (laughs) So there's the COVID update. So yeah, the idea is uh, I've just been hanging around at your house most of the time that I was here. So yeah, it's just like, yeah, well, I'm not going to do a podcast. Our house. It's still your house. Yeah, sure. And uh, and yeah, it just just felt weird to resurrect the podcast when I just saw you every day anyway. But I moved across town and uh, now it's like, all right, now I do need that reason that reason to just come home once or twice a week you know who knows how often we'll do these so i just had uh, just as a random idea just because i'm interested in general about old tv and we've talked about old tv many times and i realized now that we're in the age of the internet we could dig up all this stuff and i was like oh that's just i guess i always try to think of like what kind of podcast would i want to listen to and since i am curious about weird old tv i'm like well all right if i'm curious maybe someone else will be who knows So I just basically got a list online of TV shows by decade. And I'm just going down the list if it's something I've heard of or that I'm interested in in any way. And I'll just dig up an episode of the TV show. And I figure we can just watch it and blab about whatever TV. So I was going through the overall history of TV. And it seems like not much was going on until the 50s. You know, the... The whole first two or three decades are just kind of a wash of just news and sports and whatever the fuck. And by the late 40s, I started at least recognizing stuff. So I thought that's where we could start. Start in the late 40s. Well, that's when TV got its start. There were no TVs before that. There was nothing that uh, would be called public-type TV because nobody had television sets. The average public Joe had no TVs. Well, speaking of that, yeah, like they were you know, talking about the golden age of TV, which is roughly the late 40s to the late 50s. And I was reading the article about what do they mean by the golden age of TV? And it does seem like really what they mean is just finally there's TV, (laughs) you know, because they were saying how even just to film a show, to have a show recorded ahead of time, you're only able to do that then because earlier TV was basically just like a play. Like there was this one show that was just 20-minute monologues of actors just talking because well, that's the best they could and do. it was live TV yeah. because there was no such thing as pre-recorded TV. Like, even they were doing movies at the time that were pre-recorded in the movie theater genre, but there was nothing on TV. Everything was live, and that's why they call it the golden age of TV because those people all had to act on their feet really quick, and when something screwed up, they had to cover up really quickly. Yeah. And they did. And they were amazing at it, which uh, later TV, oh, well, we'll just edit that out or redo that. And 
It's not the same. That is why it's called the golden age of TV, not because it was just the beginning of TV. Yeah, and definitely not because it was the, well, I guess we'll see, but I don't think it's because it was the greatest time of TV, but I guess oh, we'll no, see. Some of it is terrible TV, but, but it's, uh, you have to appreciate the fact that when something went wrong, they couldn't just stop filming. They were on a time frame there and they had to fill that slot. So they just acted on their feet and they were quick at it. So those guys were real actors. It's funny though, just to get inappropriately morbid about it right away. The first thing I was thinking is when they were describing that about live TV and the stress of it, of if something goes wrong, all these people are going to see it and how will you ever live it down? And I'm reading this article thinking like, yeah, well, you're either 90 years old or dead by now. So did it really matter? <laughs> but I mean, I guess you could say that about anything. But they are, no, those were real actors at the time, and a lot of them were stage actors. So that was the other thing about early TV is it's very, um, the acting is almost stilted. It's not like a natural, has a natural flow because you couldn't edit it out. A lot of times you'll see, hear them acting and they're yelling at each other like they would as if they were on stage speaking to somebody in the back row, 300 rows back. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it, yeah, golden age. I agree with that. So the first show that stood out to me just on this list of uh, going down stuff, because it's obviously alphabetical, I don't know if we'll go strictly alphabetical. I think once we get into the 50s, it'll be a lot more stuff. But for the 40s, I only found four or five shows. So for this week, it's the good old Ed Sullivan show. And that's a good example of like, I think I know about what the Ed Sullivan show is, but I guess I've never actually seen it. I've seen the, the clip of, of the Beatles you know, but that's that's now, the only thing for sure. His show was Variety Entertainment. Right. And in his shows, he had oh a wide variety of things. He could have acrobatics. He would have maybe a stint out of a dramatic play. Singers were a big thing. He had a little puppet. He would have comedy skits. So it was almost like watching a, like a vaudeville show from the 30s, but that had been brought into TV. Well, that's something I was looking up this little article about general Ed Sullivan show facts. And that's one of the things they brought up is like, yeah, these vaudeville guys, they were pretty much out of work at this point, but old Ed brought a bunch of them in. And I'm like, that's another, like, I guess it just things just keep going back in the chain. But I'm like, I've heard the term vaudeville, but I guess I don't actually know what that is. Vaudeville was theatrical acting and skits and, again, music, the same kind of thing, but it was all done on a stage. And it was considered kind of uh, low life. If you were uh, wealthy or classy or whatever, you would go to the opera. But if you were just your Joe Blow off the street wanting to get a little bit of entertainment, you went to see vaudeville. And it was kind of bawdy and yeah, raunchy and girls like, going around a bit of, you know, this... this like can-can shows and shit? That kind of stuff. Yeah, that would be the beginning of vaudeville. I guess I was surprised that in the 1930s, you know, vaudeville was still going. Like, in my mind, I think of, like, Punch and Judy shows when I think of vaudeville. I just think of, like, I don't know, like, I thought it was even older than that. So one aspect of this show running for so long is it wasn't even called The Ed Sullivan Show. I had no idea about this. It was called Toast of the Town for, like, a decade. I didn't know that. Yeah, but just everyone just called it. Oh, did you see the Ed Sullivan show? So they eventually just changed the name because no one calls it Toast oh, of the Town. Yeah, learned something every day. I did not know that. Yeah. So I basically just looked up uh, just to see what I could find at random. We're just going to watch an episode from the 40s, and then we'll just, I guess we'll just finish the episode by saying what we thought of it compared to our thoughts about what the Ed Sullivan show is. 
And if anybody wants to watch it, if you go on YouTube and look up The Ed Sullivan Show and just set it to only look for longer videos, this is the only one. I'm lucky that it's from the 40s. It just says, uh, it's actually someone, whoever uploaded this, it's like Spanish. So it's like, Le Segundo, but it's like the second season of Ed Sullivan Show. And this is the only one on YouTube. So if you want to watch the one that we're watching, it's easy to find. And uh, I have no idea who's on it. Probably nobody, because it's season two, 1948. You know, this show was nothing yet <laughs> compared to the epic. Oh, I bet there's somebody I'll recognize. Yeah, we'll see. So, all right, okay. I guess we'll watch that shit, and then we'll, we'll be back. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Your Lincoln Mercury dealer presents The Toast of the Town, starring the nationally syndicated newspaper columnist, Ed Sullivan. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll do our, our findings of the 1949 episode of the Ed Sullivan Show, or the There's Nothing Else on TV show. Uh, well, all I can say, pretty freaking brutal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we were talking about how that's CBS, you were saying there's probably NBC, but there probably literally was maybe one other thing on TV, and that's it, so... Yeah, you had no choice, and you probably figured that that was pretty hot stuff to be watching because it would be brand new. You had that right in your house. You didn't have to go out to the theater. You didn't have to go to the movies. You just sat in your house for the first time, and there it was. And it was probably pretty fantastic. And the fact that you could see all that vaudevillian-type stuff right in your own living room was probably pretty cool, but oh, Lord. Yeah, so I guess that's what it cleared up for me is just these vague pop cultural shit floating around in my head is... uh First off, yeah, I expected it to be more Johnny Carson, Letterman-ish. I thought he would do interviews and shit, but he just was there to introduce the acts, so that's all Ed Sullivan did. And yeah, like that impersonation of like, really big shoe, really big. I'm like, okay, so that's him. Like, I was maybe getting him and Ed McMahon conflated in my brain. I wasn't sure yeah. which one. No, that's Ed Sullivan, and that must come later because he didn't do any of that here. He just was very... But I could catch yeah. that accent a little bit. That's yeah. why I was like, oh, that's him. But he was very matter-of-fact just introducing the show. Very much like an old vaudevillian show where you, the host would come out and just say, here's the act. And that's one thing I thought was funny is the little uh, Wikipedia page said, like, it got canceled in 1971 because, you know, the demographic had gotten too old and advertisers didn't want to advertise. They wanted to advertise to the young people. So I expected the 1949 one to still be the young, vibrant version of the Ed Sullivan show, but such a thing clearly never existed because they're like, all right, here's a song. I mean, even that, that's too much. Here's a song that was popular in uh, 1896, uh, Sweet Adeline, and then they sing it, and then uh, here's the lady that wrote that song. <laughs> She's still well, kicking. There really wasn't this teenage... Teenagers became a thing in the 1950s with James Dean and Rebel Thetakaz and all that stuff. Prior to that, you were a child and then you were a young adult. There was really no such... There were teenagers, but there was not this uh, marketing thing where teenagers are given, like, uh, the teen world, and everything is catered towards teens, and uh, they're a whole demographic in their own world. They have money. They didn't have money in these days because World War II would have ended, Young people who were teenager types went off to war, came back. The world of a, of teenagers was not such a big thing. So this show 
catering to middle America and not just young middle America, but people who would be in their 40s and 50s. They were the people who had money, who were established, who could afford Lincoln Mercury town cars. (laughs) And Lincoln Mercury town cars. Yes, your average young person just starting out in the world couldn't afford anything like that. And so you wouldn't be catering to them. You're catering to middle America who has money, professionals, that kind of thing. So that makes complete sense. Later in the 1950s, when the, you know, Rebel Without a Cause and teenagers became like the thing and parents started spending on their teenagers and giving them cars and that kind of stuff. You see the whole different demographic change in the 1950s. And then in the 1960s, you see hippies, young people who are turning their back on all that stuff. But in the 1940s, Um, And especially when you're watching movies from the 1930s and the 1940s, you see it. There are really no teenagers, like the angst-ridden teenager just didn't exist. You were a child, and then you were a grown-up. It's like everyone's just like, man, we're just just glad there's not a war anymore. Let's hope it stays calm. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this was like cartoonishly old, where they're referencing... The 1800s, literally, the first act was, here's a song from the 1800s, and here's the lady who wrote it. But She's I, still alive. But like. I'm telling you, it was 1948, <laughs> 1949, so, yeah. But, and was. then also we mentioned the lighting, just the way the lighting was, you know, where it kind of washes out your features, except just the way his makeup was or whatever. Ed Sullivan had these dark lines under his eyes. He looks like a corpse. And he's talking about Sweet Adeline and a barbershop quartet is singing it. Yeah, there was something definitely. I I couldn't tell if that was natural dark circles or if that was dark things that they might have put under his eyes. Like they do with football players when they're on, so that they don't glare. And that could have been what that was. Probably was. But it wasn't very good. To, yeah. It wasn't a very good makeup job. Yeah, in general, the lighting and everything was yeah definitely still they're new at it but yeah it was it was funny to see those live tv touches of when the barbershop quartet gets introduced and the the curtain doesn't get pulled all the way and it's kind of in the way and i think it was ed himself who went over and and extricate it from the chair but that was really the only little hiccup technically they all they did pretty well but yeah so i'd say that it's basically split into three main components there's singing it was 50 percent singing lots of singing weird comedians where one of them was doing impersonations and he was all right but i didn't know who the people were he was impersonating so it kind of went over my head and then just a normal comedian who was fucking death but the best element definitely were like the acrobats that was hands down they were the best people on the show yeah and then he puts in that small little bit for the kids in the audience i forgot about that there probably aren't any kids watching that thing at all because well they might have been it would have been on at nine o'clock at night on sunday night Uh, but as years came and go yes there always was some little element for children small little bit of that so that was probably a first introduction to that that punch and judy thing which was pretty yeah. freaking violent yeah i was gonna say for the kids quote unquote but yeah it's literally i mean it was like the weird little voice and is this weird schizophrenic talking that barely made sense but definitely it was just about yeah, beating your wife with a big stick yeah, <laughs> ripping the head off the baby and uh, yeah, yeah and then oh you want he, another baby well how about i beat you yeah, <laughs> it's like what the fuck get him getting eaten by a wolf that comes out of nowhere like yeah. yeah, pretty. Certainly the kind of thing that in today's era you'd be told, no, 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 my God, my child can't watch that. That's just too friggin' violent. <laughs> yeah, very, very strange, very bizarre. 
Uh, and I guess the other major thing is, yeah, no commercials per se, just the whole show was brought to you by Lincoln Mercury. So there were three really long, <laughs> like, here's the car, here's the car driving, and they just... Uh, they weren't that long. Each one was probably, I, we didn't time it, but probably a minute. Yeah, I guess it just feels long compared to a normal commercial, but well, but I guess we see so many of them. You know, you get a a thirty a thirty second shot, another thirty second shot, another one, another one. You get about seven or eight all in a row. Well, this one you were just watching one, and they were very quiet and calm ads about the car, and there was no. well, I guess there's no urgency to kind of hurry up and get that ad done and have a bunch of stuff coming at you because you're the only advertiser. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you going to do, change the channel? I fucking dare you to change the channel. <laughs> there's nothing else on. And it was a beautiful, they were beautiful cars. You actually, I got the urge anyway. I thought, man, if I was back then and I could go to a showroom, I'd like to go and look at that car. Yeah, why not? It's a lovely looking thing. I mean, it certainly sticks in your mind because, yeah, I was saying, I don't, I don't know that company. I don't know what Lincoln Mercury is, but I sure do now. That's one episode. If I was watching that show for two decades. I mean, those back seats look so comfortable. You just wanted to go lay down in that thing. And the console. Oh, beautiful. You know, she's there moving the things up and down for the radio and the probably the heaters. and, And it's so fancy. It's beautiful. Yeah, what a lovely car. But the only time it did feel a little weird was right at the end. That's when they throw all decorum out the window and they're just like literally singing a song of the Lincoln Mercury toast of the town. <laughs> no, they did that at the half hour too. You had oh. gone to the washroom. No, the dancers came out and danced too. And then the car was presented. So so I guess the other thing, the last Wait, thing we noticed. Before you finish, this is weird. We talked more about the advertising in the car than we did about the show. Yeah, it was more interesting. Like, yeah, like, and legitimately it was. Like, the car, because it's like those old-timey 50s cars that look all cool and classic, like Dick Tracy or whatever. But they were also trying to show how rugged it was. So they were doing, like... Look at it going over these bumps. Look at the suspension. <laughs> and it's like, it's the best of all things. It's this classic car. But man, if you got to, like, the guy is doing the quick turn in the dirt, and they're like, these are conditions you would never even uh, ever. Imagine. Yeah, you never that, drive your car over those. But if you had to, you can with Lincoln Mercury. <laughs> hey, it makes you want to go out and buy that car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the acrobats and driving the car. Definitely those oh, are the best parts. I have to say something about the suits, though. Oh, yeah, the giant suits. Suits are yeah. fabulous. <laughs> yeah, so what made me realize suits like that are so big back in the day, there's this guy on YouTube who uh, he's called The Report of the Week, and he just reviews fast food, but he wears really big suits. And people ask him all the time why he wears these big suits. And he's like, yeah, that was the style. It's like your grandpa's suit. And he like is like, I like that. And once he mentioned it, I started noticing that, that, yeah, like they're not like those 80s power suits that are perfectly fitted. Suits back then were these enormous suits and they're all like billowy and silky looking. They made you look big, though. Yeah. They made you look like you had shoulders that went from one side of the room to the other. But then they had those big wide pant legs that you could probably put a th- three people in those pants. And then we noticed, yeah, like the last comedian especially, his suit, like the top button of the suit was, was way below down. his belly button. Yeah. And the second button would have been below his crotch. Way down. <laughs> and then as he was loosening up and telling his hilarious jokes, he undid his buttons. And that's when you see that his pants are way up. <laughs> yeah. I was almost surprised once I got into that vibe of like, oh yeah, the old timey suits and stuff, 
It's weird that nobody was wearing a hat, but I guess it's because you're indoors, right? You don't wear a hat indoors, but... Yeah, because they probably would have outdoors, they would have had hats. Every time they went out, they would have worn a hat. Yeah, that was the part of the classic look that was missing. Uh, so I guess the last thing I'll toss in is uh, the impersonation guy was a black dude, and they had a trumpet player who was a black dude. And we're like, oh, look at that, black guys on TV back in the 40s. And we were looking for potential covert segregation stuff and we're like hmm, he's not shaking their hands but he didn't seem to shake yeah, anyone's hand shake anybody's hands yeah no he didn't so the so <laughs> and i gotta say for an era that would have been very anti-black was yeah even new york there would have been although you had so many uh jazz players in that musicians in that who were black but but you got to give it to them they're on tv we're black guys, and almost as many black guys as white guys. All right, so just one last real quick thing before we finish, because I just thought it was, I was just looking up stuff while the show was on. I'm always just curious about the height of people. I don't know why, but just out of curiosity, Ed, uh, Ed's only 5'8", just because then once I know one guy's height, I can tell everyone else's relative height on the show. But as I was Googling that, uh, it just brings up other questions people have asked, and one of them was, why is Ed Sullivan so stiff? Because, you know, he obviously is. And I just thought, like, oh, that's just a funny question for people to ask. Like, you know, uh, uh, he's a funny, old-timey, stiff TV guy. But it turns out there's an actual, legit reason <laughs> that I did not expect. Turns out he had this thing called ankylosing spondylitis. That's like an inflammatory disease that over time can cause some of the small bones in your vertebrae to fuse together. Oh, yeah. So he wasn't just stiff because that was his personality. He actually had a medical problem. And I'm like, oh, that's not funny. I didn't, <laughs> that's not the answer I, I expected. Did he have to wear a brace or anything like that? Yeah, and according to this little article, it's just not a well-known thing. And it's not, no one ever talked about it at the time. And it's just, yeah, I guess, you know, back then you just didn't bring these things up or whatever. Well, yeah, because there was a, a thing in the times, especially after the 1930s, all the eugenics and stuff going on. If you had any kind of a deformity of that, oh, my God, you never talked about it or brought it out in public because you were deformed. Mm -hmm. You were, you know, you shouldn't be on TV if you weren't perfect. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, so I guess we learned a lot today. We learned that we don't want to watch this show anymore, but we also learned some factoids. Well, now, we might want to watch it, though, in another generation, yeah. like a yeah, sample sure. 1950s show. Yeah. Like the late 1950s and see what it was like by comparison. Yeah, so stay tuned, but it'll probably be a while till we get there because we're going to be in the 1940s for a little longer. But yeah, I think that went all right. That was an interesting little fucking experiment in TV, so we'll stick with it next time. I don't know what we'll do next time. I guess part of it will depend on what I can find because I was a little curious about the Ed Wynn show because I only know Ed Wynn because he was the Riddler in uh, the old Batman show. And he had a show like this in the 40s, but if I could only find one episode of Ed Sullivan, I'll never find the Ed Wynn show. There's no fucking way. The Ed Wynn show? I don't think I know that guy. Yeah, it's only because he's like, Batman, he had a funny voice. <laughs> so, anyway, I'll find something for next time. So stay tuned. The Lincoln Mercury presents Calling Home Podcast. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen... That is the show, and don't forget to drop in and visit your Lincoln Mercury dealer. That's right, Ed. See your Lincoln Mercury dealer. You'll find his number in your classified phone book.